Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, leveraging partnerships to promote flu vaccinations among duly eligible beneficiaries during COVID-19. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on November 2nd, 2021. In this podcast, Richard Corderone, a liaison to the COVID-19 Vaccine Task Force in the Immunization Services Division at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, discusses building vaccine confidence and demand. I'm just going to pause here for a second and talk a little bit about exactly what vaccine confidence is and, and how that creates demand and, and how that relates to the presentation that Amara just gave. One of the basically vaccine confidence is built on trust. It's trust is relationships with the community and every interaction that any aspect of the health or public health system has with individuals in the community drives vaccine confidence, which eventually drives demand. And so all of the work that Samra and their team are doing to engage and activate community members, make sure that they have the information, correct information, know where to go, is is a method or a way for us to build that confidence and demand and trust in the system and connect where people are. And it's a very comprehensive or very proven strategy and approach. And we want to make sure that guys who are working with individuals and actually doing the work getting vaccinated are part of that system. And one of the things that we found in sort of digging deeper into some of the challenges and issues in communities where confidence was low, demand for vaccine is low, is the importance of having trusted healthcare providers in the communities where they are. Many individuals and many families and many communities didn't necessarily have that relationship. And so every interaction that you have with patients and in the patient setting and the interactions that you have with family members, with friends, within the community, you are a trusted messenger. You are an individual who is seen as a leader in health knowledge and in your community and within your family. So we'll talk about a little bit of some of the steps that you can take in just the basic knowledge of things that you can do to build confidence with confidence in the vaccine. In vaccines, it's really about building confidence and trust in the system. How to talk about COVID-19 vaccines specifically in terms of how to build confidence in the vaccine. The approach overall is more empathetic, more listening, and less presumptive. Typically, with routinely recommended vaccines, including flu vaccines, we take more of a presumptive approach when we're talking about COVID vaccines, when we're talking about those vaccinations, than we do with COVID vaccines. And as we, as COVID vaccine is around longer, we'll probably shift more to a presumptive approach. But understanding that people are coming from a space where they are learning that this Vaccines are new to them. They've never really had a situation where people pay so much attention to vaccines. And in that process, we know that in those conversations, people do bring up myths and disinformation. And when they do, it often becomes a situation where they're sharing that information because it's something they've seen and they truly are confused or overwhelmed. This is something that we like to call an infodemic, sort of an epidemic of misinformation, where there's so much misinformation or so much inaccurate information that it's very difficult that in that big cophony of noise, it's hard to get our messages out. And so they're really looking to individuals who they trust and who they know and who they have relationships with to help guide them through that process of working through all of that noise and background. 
and knowing that building trust is a process, not an end state, in the same way that relationships are not an end state. You don't just have a relationship with somebody and then go away. It's, it takes time. It takes interaction to build that trust, build relationships, and ultimately, that's what we're all trying to do. The stronger relationship that people have with the point in which they touch the health system and public health system really help build that interaction and trust over time. And, you know, to that same point, building trust and changing minds is not something that will happen overnight. Unfortunately, if we think of an infodemic in the same way we think of diseases, oftentimes diseases can create some immunity and immune response, whereas exposure to misinformation does not inoculate you from more misinformation. It actually makes you more vulnerable. And so the more conversations that people can have with people who they trust, who do have correct information and can guide them through that process of being able to parse out inaccurate information, accurate information, the more we will eventually move people. And that process being prepared to address things like equities, equity and barriers to access is really important. When somebody comes in and says, oh, wow, it was really hard for me to get an appointment or it was really, you know, I had to drive a long way or I had whatever barrier it is to coming in and getting themselves vaccinated or getting their families vaccinated, listen to that. that. They're telling you things that are preventing people maybe like them, people who you don't know, from coming in and accessing services. And you guys know this, you work in this area all the time in creating access. Um, but it's always important to kind of go back and recheck that and remind ourselves that we really do need to listen if we are improving access. Just some basic tips. These are some basic risk communication, basic communication tips for talking about vaccine, talking about health issues, and it never hurt to kind of reemphasize these and come back and make sure that new staff that come on board really kind of understand some of these basic ideas. Don't come across as cold or clinical. We tend to do that. I know we do that in public health sometimes. We really want to let our humanity show because people don't have relationships with data. They have relationships with other human beings. And so bringing out, while we're, especially when we're sharing scientific information, personal information, that human connection is incredibly important. Using active listening, asking questions to get more information out of people, and guiding them through a conversation with a foundation and empathy become really are incredibly important to building confidence and just having any kind of patient-individual interaction. And being sure to answer questions using facts and being honest when you don't know the answer. There have been several times where I've been in the community talking to people and answering questions and somebody shares with me a question or a concern that I've never heard before and just being clear, it's, hey, this is not something I've heard about before, and you can follow up, and oftentimes you can redirect to something that you do know that you know may help reinforce position or the science behind the vaccines and help them protect themselves and their family. And then offering ways to provide feedback and answer questions is always important as well. A lot of times people don't think of questions or concerns when you're talking with sort of immediately and having that feedback loop, having that opportunity where people can see something online or can hear something from a friend or family member and say like, it doesn't sound like what my health provider told me. Let me check with them and find out because it just doesn't sound right. Uh, again, it's that connection, that personal relationship that's really important. We'll just kind of go through tips to address questions from misinformation. 
again, it goes back to listening, uh, that active listening. One of the things that is also really helpful is asking permission to offer information. Sometimes we're in a situation where people who are embracing or hearing a lot of misinformation are doing so because they don't trust certain authority figures or certain organizations that they feel are in positions of authority. And so asking permission to share information from a source or trying to get that information to them so that it does empower the people who are questioning it so that they do feel that they're empowered, that we're all sort of in a state of of trauma over the last couple of years in some way, shape, or form. And one of the big trauma responses is the need to feel empowered. So if you're having that active listening conversation, making them feel empowered is incredibly important. Sharing that information from trusted sources, if you can find a source for somebody who may not necessarily trust government sources that maybe they do trust is an important part of this as well. What we do as CDC and as state and local health departments is we provide the foundational information and we encourage our partners, funded and otherwise, to take the information that we have and hone it for the people they're trying to reach. So while we pride ourselves on being an accurate source of information, we share the information we have to empower others to be able to share that information and spread it. Addressing misinformation on social media is a little bit different. When you're having a conversation with someone, you might want to repeat something to make sure that you really understand the concern or the question in that active listening. But in social media, you don't want to repeat the misinformation because of the way algorithms work. The more you repeat something, the more play it gets, and then the more it spreads. So you don't want to inadvertently contributes to the infodemic. You really want to mitigate it by focusing on the factual information and sharing that out and creating the opportunity for that to get a stronger foothold and move the algorithm. Holding town halls really challenging. They can be very contentious. Oftentimes, town halls or similar types of events can bring out the most vocal deniers or most vocal critics and being patient, making sure you have trusted experts and others available, and being very thoughtful about how you participate in those and how you answer questions and focusing on the information is really important. There's a lot of, we can go deeper into all of the strategies for these types of events, but they are really important and they do show that we as individuals are connected and part of the community and as opposed to disconnected or separate from the community. And so we have a number of technical resources that we provide for building vaccine confidence, and we can provide these technical resources. We often work with state and local health departments. We work with a variety of different partners. And so if you have questions, concerns, if you are working with your state or local health department and you need additional support, we're happy to provide that, and we have a number of different ways that we can do so. Talking about the three steps, one of the things that when we talk about flu, when we talk about vaccines, there's some very simple, very important things. We want to make sure that you guys know what we're doing in terms of sharing information so that you can amplify that. Or again, take the information that we have and incorporate that into something that works for reaching your community and your, your clients and customers. So when we talk about flu, we talk about layers of protection. This is where this idea comes from. That's part of the COVID-19 response and messaging. So first, the vaccine, uh, get the flu vaccine. That is your first line of defense against the flu and against many other diseases. And then take the everyday preventive action. So this could vary by community and, and depending on what's happening with COVID. But this is where we start talking about wash your hands, cover your cough, Stay home when you're sick, those kinds of issues. And then if you are sick, take the medication, get the medication to help your body fight the disease, stay out of the hospital, and mitigate the, the harm that the disease can cause. Uh, so we call this take three. 
one, two, three. There are three steps that you can take individuals and as communities to fight flu. And so our basic messaging is really kind of acknowledging how different last season was. It was unusually low in the United States and globally, despite uh, the fact that we did have high level of testing. So we are pretty confident that we did have lower back flu circulating last year, but we don't know what's happening this season. We cannot predict the future, but we can prepare for it and we can mitigate uh, the potential issues that a danger like flu can cause. And we're preparing together for, because these are both respiratory diseases, preparing for flu and the virus that causes COVID-19 circulating at the same time can cause a lot of confusion from the point of view of being able to treat patients and for patients to get the treatment that they need. And so we want to make sure uh, with the vaccine that more people are vaccinated for flu and for COVID, the less burden on the healthcare system. And the more people who really need the most help can access that system and, you know, with low exposure to flu virus last year, there is a possibility that the viruses that do circulate this year, there may be less immunity to it in the community, which could mean an even more challenging flu season. So we want to be prepared for those uh, eventualities. And so what's new? Composition of the flu vaccine has been updated. It does change every year. Again, that's a conversation probably a lot of you are used to having with your patients when talking about flu vaccines. And this year, all the flu vaccines are quadrivalent. That means that there are four strains of flu that the vaccine will protect you from. And flu vaccines and COVID-19 vaccines can be given at the same time. They are not the same vaccine, but they can be given at the same time. It's not that you're treating the symptoms or preventing the symptoms necessarily. You're preventing the virus from causing symptoms in your body. And so making that distinction that you're preventing the actual virus that causes each of these illnesses in you, and that's the point of getting both vaccines. And they can be given at the same time. I think that's probably something that we cannot repeat enough. Now, once we have our trusted messengers and have our trusted routes of sharing information, we do have resources through our annual flu vaccination campaign. This idea, one of the digital, we have a couple of themes. One is I get it, and this is focusing on individuals with chronic diseases and who are over age 40. And this idea that this is a group that is 40 to 64-year-olds, a group that traditionally among adults does not get vaccinated at the same rates as people 65 and older, but they particularly individuals with chronic health conditions, even if they're under control. And I think that's a really important thing. So someone who has asthma, asthma is under control. Someone who has heart disease and under control, flu can knock all of that off whack. And understanding that flu vaccination, getting flu vaccine is something that can protect them and help them control their chronic conditions and be more active. But we've also used the idea of no time for flu, which shows to flu FOMO in the creative, which means fear of missing out. This idea that driven particularly by things like social media, when you see people, your friends sort of being active and out there and doing things, you don't want to miss out. You want to be part of the fun and you want to be able to engage and be part of your community and know that you're as protected as you can be in that process. This is out. This is moving. We've got frames. We have other resources available, and you can go to this site, I Get It uh, website. You can Google I Get It CDC flu in order to find it if you don't remember that URL. And here's what it looks like. All of these assets are shareable. All these assets are downloadable, and so if you, for some reason, you have trouble getting it online, please feel free to reach out to us so that we can give you templates and the other things that you can use in your community and among your staff as well.
And as we worked through this FOMO and No Time for Flu, the Ag Council was our partner last year, a great partner, and helped us not only with flu, but also with COVID-19 vaccine. And they've partnered with us again this year for this No Time for Flu campaign and have created a number of digital assets that are circulating right now. You guys can amplify as well. The FOMO campaign is a sub-campaign within that, and so there's a lot of things circulating on social media because it is a very social media sort of driven idea, and it is something that you can use to help reach individuals who are sort of in that 20, 30-year-old group, probably not cool enough for teenagers at this point, but it is something that definitely you can use to relate to and connect to in the language that, that's used by individuals who typically don't get flu vaccination at the same rate as older adults. The last slide, slide 49, has links to the websites to be able to download all of the Ag Council developed assets as well as the website on the other page where you can download the CDC assets as well. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare and Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.